Welcome back to The Stack. This week we speak with Rabseth Bikram, third-time offender on The Stack, and so set to be put away for 10 to 20. 30 minutes in, we're not halfway done talking a bit. For tea, I suggest you put your feet up by the fire and listen closely. Let us tell tales and regale you with the story of how Rabseth went from lawyer's flunky to hoon junkie, and afterwards hoon hero, striking out on his own as a hoon dev. What else do we talk about? Having the strongest hands at assembly, not as a card sharp, but as a game where one shows the bros his grip has the crushing strength of a shark bite. And speaking of game sharks, we talk good game about all the arts of our youth and how now, long in tooth, the world of gaming and the internet is very, very different. We're older, but not diffident. Let's listen with intent. Hello, hello. I hear, you. I hear you. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make sure that I think that the wave on Audacity looks good. It's very. It's very small. Should it be small? Should it be bigger? Your wave. Yeah, it's between point. Uh, I mean, are it, we talking about your it, wave? It, it depends. I. It. You. You can't necessarily judge on that. If it's too small, then that's okay. probably yeah, not I mean, good. But. I, I can see it. Right. So I, I understand. I, I understand that women, women. I mean, they more are interested in like the quality of the conversation <laughs> rather than yeah the volume. Rather you, than the okay. largeness. Do you guys ever get sucked into Instagram? I don't have TikTok, so it's not that. But now everything is TikTok, right? So YouTube has become TikTok, and Instagram has become TikTok, and as far as I can tell, and I, I get that it's engineered toward me, towards me, right? Like, my wife gets, like, cat videos and weird people talking about history and doing funny accents because that's, like, you know, the algorithm gets her, right? But for me, it's literally just e-girls. That's it. It's just e- Well, that's not true. It's interspliced with, like, dudes lifting heavy. <laughs> so it's, right. It's very, so it is getting very, you right. Um, yeah, no, it... it it fucking nailed me. But the, the the thing I'm trying to get to... Well, now I've forgotten. What was I going to say? I have no idea now. Instagram. Anyway, Instagram. Inst- Instagram. Instagram battles. I don't know. Yeah. It, I, you know, you, you did bring something up. That, that is interesting. Like, I've seen uh, YouTube, and I don't, like, watch it. Like, I mean, if I do, it's to, like, you know, listen to music at work or something. But, like, the, there's, like, a ton of people. It's, like, they upload their TikToks to youtube and so it's just like this cross path but i don't know like like when i the the problem with like kids and like you know you will learn this someday it's like parenting is like a 24 7 job unfortunately and like my daughter if she gets any access to a electronic device she'll like get on youtube and watch like the most inane shit you can possibly imagine and like i've through this learn because i've like allowed her to explore this a little bit because i'm perversely interested in like these like loser dirtbags who when like we were i mean like you know they would just be like skateboarders whatever and do nothing like they're making millions of dollars just like buying houses in southern california and appearing in each other's youtube videos 
And they all do yeah. like the same yeah, skits and they're all like they're all they're all paid off because like they all start doing like Squid Game stuff. And so, you know, Netflix yep. gave them a bag of cash to like promote Squid Bang Games. Energy. Exactly. Energy you know, every video. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is anybody drinking Oatly? Are they drinking? Probably. Oatly? I mean, like if no, if I they were paid to do it, they I would do it. This and is. these people have no like like the stars themselves. Like they don't have like any taste or desires of their own. Like you know, like their bo- their their houses have no books or anything like that. Like and you know, but no, yeah, no. I mean, like they're just reflecting. All fan service. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but like in like, like it's like the lowest comment. Did... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That brings me back to what I was going to say. These e-girls, there's a new trend on there because we were talking about the size of my wave, right? There's a new trend on there to like simp for average dick size. Have you seen this? No. They'll be like, you know that song where it's like, um, you want me, and then they intersplice a person saying no, and they repeat that loop three or four times, and then it goes, you want me, I want you, baby. Have you heard that sound that they use on TikTok? Anyway, that's the gist of it. So it's saying, do you no, want man, this? No. Do you no, want you're that? You're too online no. for me. I, I am severely online. So he, but but the, the thing is now, they'll be like, I don't want a big dick. I want one that's like three to five. <laughs> right. Of course. What, what, of course. What is this market? But, well, the market, the market <laughs> is again, like incel, pay, so. like yeah, incel schlubs. I don't know. Uh, but it's like, I, I don't know. The, the and interesting so tiktok is one one of the only internet services that is inaccessible in hong kong um because they made a big deal you know because it's a chinese company bite dance that owns it and all of the data for these e-girls and their simp you know uh viewers is getting sent to beijing for analysis so that are, are we recording this conversation yeah yeah, yeah so 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 okay, yeah good. So so it gets sent to Beijing for analysis so that later when there are some like, you know, DIA um, data analysts, they can get bribed because they're watching three and a half inch penis videos or whatever. So the um, so in Hong Kong, because of like the protests and stuff like ByteDance made a big thing of like, oh, we're like leaving Hong Kong because we support democracy or something. So anyway, so I actually have no idea what you're talking about is my way of saying it. Yeah, it's it's a weird and wild place, and I'm convinced that that shit is brain poison. Like, I can see it, I don't know, I can see people go into a trance when they start doing it, and then it's just an infinite scroll of, like, like grading audio and flashing visuals. It's, 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 it's like some sort of mind erasure machine you know what i mean like it really yeah. just puts you into like a sympathetic state and you just do that yeah you just sit it's because it, it just will go like one to the next right like there's it's and yeah. and and the most so this started with the netflix um streaming like okay well like the next one is going to pick up soon so like you know you yep. sit down at 10 in the morning on a Saturday and then it's, you know, three in the morning Sunday and you've watched all of Breaking Bad or something. And now we've... And it only asked you if you're still there three times. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It just lets you do it. Right. And, and you know, we've now reached the apotheosis of this where it's just a bunch of 15 second videos. 
strung to each other. And that's uh, yeah, pretty toxic. At least Tumblr, Even like, people were reading it, right? Right. There was yeah, a literacy well, Tumblr, aspect. You know, it, and it was weirdos. And it was also artistic. Like, it wasn't just literary. It was also visually appealing at least even like the trashy shit that on that was on there was still like an attempt to be visually appealing but this is not and when i say visually appealing i mean like aesthetically pleasing this stuff is visually appealing in the way that a firework is visually appealing you know what i mean it's right. not it's not the same as looking at fine art it's not looking it's at porn it's clamp- it's porn <laughs> it's porn yeah it's porn it's porn or a Harlequin novel. And it makes me yeah. feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but you're looking to build on Urbit and... Oh, good segue. Some, good segue, man. You're a professional. And some, I mean, someone someone is going to build this stuff on Urbit, right? You can't stop them. Um, but what are, yeah. what are you looking to do? Well, I'm looking to try and encourage people to move to Urbit by building goods and services that they would normally consume on, you know, the earth internet. So to some extent, I am looking to build the TikTok of Urbit, right? But I think that there are, in a sense that I want to build things that are of utility for people. So we can quibble with whether TikTok is of utility, but things that are of utility to people and that will bring them to a platform, which I think is in some ways less poisonous than this old world internet that we're seeing. I think if you were to take the TikTok analogy, the difference between TikTok and Urbit TikTok would be something like there is no algorithm to um, aggregate your visual interests for you, right? Which means that there is no algorithm programming you to use the utility more. Instead, there is a system of discovery through identity and reputation amongst arbiters and people you trust in that community who can guide you to content that is of utility for you uh, without the without the like intent of just sticking you to the platform ad infinitum so go on so I think I think I think I, I would love to back up and say uh, just just yeah. give some background the mad Arab of Hoon has decided to go all in on Urbit and developing. H- how did you get to that point? Yeah. Um, I've been increasingly frustrated with my Earth job for how long have I had it? That amount of time. And I think largely that's because I kind of painted myself into a corner at my job. Effectively, I came in and they hired me without any idea as to what I would do for them. Uh, And so I just started picking up odds and ends that needed doing at the organization and building infrastructure to do them. Uh, And the end result of that was that a lot of people thought of me as the fixer for any problem that you had at the organization I was at. And that was fine and good for job security, but it also meant that I was inundated with just a constant stream of requests from different directions that are all urgent, that are all, we've tried other places and we can't get it done, and that never that never end, right? Like this, this request stream never ended. Uh, so I'm working at this place, and basically what happened was I 
got myself into a position where I was like unfireable, but I also was just slammed with work and always the work that nobody else seemed to want to do, which meant that it was bad work, right? And so some of it was challenging and enjoyable in the sense that challenging work is enjoyable, and some of it was just absolute tedium. And there was, no, there was always like a tacit understanding that eventually they would hire other people to help me manage that workload, and that never really was forthcoming. And so it was just, I was always working and not getting paid enough to always work like that. Getting paid well, but that was part of the problem, is that I was getting paid well enough that it was like hard to make a decision against it, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, right. So like that's, and that's really, especially with, you know, we've just, we've just, I've just purchased my first home. Uh, I live with my wife and, you know, we've been married for a short amount of time, but that means that my life has changed in the sense that I have responsibilities that are, are critical to uphold, right? Like there's not a chance that I'm going to rely on my wife to take care of our bills, right? Like that's just not, not, not a viable option for me. Um, so there has to be money coming in the door. And I knew that I wanted to make a change before I even got on Urbit, but I, I don't think I believed that I had the chops to make it as a programmer um, or to like find the time, nor did I have the time to invest in one of those like boot camp academies that might, might've gotten me there. Right. Cause I think I'm a good learner, but I didn't, I didn't at the moment have time, have the capacity to move directly across into that other role. And I also didn't have time or like the runway in terms of finances to make it so that I could afford myself that time to retool. Right. So this is, you know, this is the quintessential, why don't the miners learn how to code uh, problem, you know, mm -hmm. um, it, only I had the capacity to do it and getting on Urbit, I think, the reason that I wanted to do Hoon at all was to, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm going to divert for a second, but do you know that I used to weigh like 300 pounds when I was like 25? No. Okay. Yeah. So I used I've, to be, I've, I've been in your groups. Right. Okay. So I used to be very, very overweight, obese. And I, at, there was a point in my life where I, you know, broke up with a long-term partner and was like, what am I going to do? You can't just be this like morbidly obese and find other people to love you. Right. Like that was the thing that came into my mind immediately. And so I decided to make a change in my life and I started exercising and getting fit. And then my, my position was I've always been a smart kid amongst my peers, but never an athletic one. And I'm pretty sure that those athletic people don't have better chops than me. So I'm just going to make that happen and show that I can be as good as them in that world as well. Uh, and I, I, I would say that I accomplished that goal. I'm a pretty athletic guy now. Um, how did you, how did you I've even start? Some... Yeah. Uh, I started, was living in Chicago at the time and I was still living with the girl that I broke up with and she was my high school girlfriend. So we'd been together like 10 uh, years during law yeah. school. Right. And so we're still living in the same like shit box like 300 square foot apartment, right? Right. <laughs> we are on top of each other, right? And so I start leaving at night when she would like be there and I would just be like, I'm going to go for a walk. And I would walk for 
hours. You've right? broken up. You've broken up with someone, and you're living together. Right, and trying to figure out how to how to sever that. Right, and she wasn't from Chicago, neither am I. So there's like the how do we get you home, and you know, what is this going to look like situation. Right, and all of that's forthcoming, but it, it's not like it's immediate, and nobody had a good fucking plan. Right, so I'm just I'm winging it. And I need space to get out of this house because I can't be with this person because it's, you know, it's tragic to some extent. Mm. Like, I felt bad about it. You know, I didn't hate her. It just was not working. Um, and so I would just leave the house and walk. And I remember walking some nights until I saw the, the newspaper van starting to deliver newspapers. And then I was like, I probably should head back. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of my turnover. But walking that much and being like i think depressed and not eating started me losing weight and very unintentionally so right like it was just happenstance of those facts and um at a certain point i remember my i I moved in with one of my other um i keep wanting to call her my roommate one of my colleagues from law school who then became my roommate Uh, i moved in with her and another guy that she was dating because they had room in a fairly large uh, apartment in like the Addison area. And I remember one night we were studying for something in law school and she was like, have you been losing weight? Cause you look different. And that's, that's when it became, when it changed from being unintentional to something that I was pursuing with intent. And that's when I started like, you know, I ordered like a dumbbell in the mail or whatever. And I started challenging myself to, run a block every three blocks when I, cause I mean, I was, I could not run more than a block mm-hmm. <laughs> every three blocks. Right. So, you know, you just, you start building up from little endeavors like that and you just don't let, you don't let the opportunity of failure cross your path. Right. Like you just keep pushing and that's it. That's all you have to do to, to be somewhere. And the reason I bring that up is because, that same experience of like getting to a place where I realize that I can do something and then not just that I can do it to some extent, but that I have it in me from whatever source, right? Willpower or just desire and need or whatever it is, but I have the energy within me to like not give up on it, right? And when I have that energy, I know it and I can, I can make myself work. You know, I can make myself do something for a long time and sometimes it fades. Right. So like when I first started at the job that I have currently that I'm leaving, I had a lot of energy to, to push that job forward. And I think that being sort of beaten down by corporate America bullshit, right. Um, bad management, that sort of stuff, uh, kind of, kind of stole that from me. You know, but when I got on Urbit and I was kind of in the the declining action of my energy for the career that I had, um, and I found that there was like something new where there weren't a ton of experts that were already out there that were just going to beat the pants off of me, right? Um, And where it was challenging almost beyond my skill level, but it was clear that some people were getting it and it could be done. I felt that energy come back and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. I remember telling my wife, like by hook or by crook, I'm not going to let those smart ass guys be smarter than me. Like that's not going to happen. So I'm going to figure out how to get through this hoon school shit 
and I'm going to do it. And I did. And I mean, the rest of that is, is, is urban archaeology. You know, it's stuff that, that people, I, I <laughs> this is self-aggrandizing, but that people will remember for some time, I think, you know, we were doing university. I've learned how to do gall agents through Tim Lux tutelage. And I, I, I produced my own recently that I think is, is, you know, pretty successful on the network. And, and now we're here where my intent is to bring that energy into prime time and like really double down on it and just i intend to be prolific and and that's what's going to happen yeah so and um are you like what what kind of runway have you given yourself of like okay i want to hit revenue with one of these by this time um you know are you, are you trying to like optimize for projects that you think kind of have some market potential or how, how are you kind of thinking about yeah. that yeah yeah, no, that's a great question. And I've thought about it kind of a lot. And I think that there's like, that what I want to do is sort of twofold. I would like to have some longer term projects. Well, so trifold, actually, I would like to have some longer term projects that I am producing as part of this endeavor, like solely. So it's going to be me, I'm working as part of the Dalton Collective. So there will be Dalton Collective engagement as well. And hopefully, these longer projects will drive the revenue early on, right? So I, I have one we're really thinking about that's like a star provider level thing uh, that if we release it, I expect will draw a lot of attention and stars will be excited to produce this service for their subordinates, right? Um, so that's something, that's like one area, those kinds of projects that we hope will, dr will drive infrastructure and also produce revenue. Um, there's another area that I'd like to pursue, and that is uh, tech demo type stuff or small one-off programs and continuing to support them. So tech demo is probably not the right word, but I mean, um, shotgun approaching some software as things are easy for me to pump out. Um, I think it's prudent to produce them to get our brand on the map, like the, the brand that I'm bringing to the table. and kind of develop a design voice as well that will inform some of our other decisions. So that's the second area that I want to work on. And then the last area is I also want to take, I want to, I want to eat everybody else's lunch and take some contracting gigs from whoever there is who's doing Hoon contracting and try to become the preeminent like person who's available to do mm. that. It, it's very ambitious and I probably uh, am uh overestimating my capacities but those are the goals yeah, I, don't, I mean I have set obviously time. don't say that right you know the um well i, I even if it's like, true like, even if it's time, true yeah the um i mean i it, it's tough because like you said i mean the the how is it put to me is the the steady paycheck is the greatest enemy of innovation in american capitalism right you know and especially yeah. those of us who enter into middle age and start thinking, okay, you know, what, what could I do? And particularly like our generation, if you look at any, uh, previous one, like I was reading this book, uh, what's it called? Indecent exposure. So it's about, um, the Columbia pictures scandal in the 1970s. So that's kind of an arcane event. Um, but you, like you're reading about it and like the president of Columbia pictures is, 
like 38 years old and that's considered normal and people are getting pushed right. out into retirement at, in their 50s and that's considered normal and now like we just work for these like boomers and older gen xers who just will not give anything up uh and i'm going to get wound up obviously because it's very personal but like <laughs> The uh, and I'm in a better place now, but like for a long time, it was just super, super frustrating because you just you can't you 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 can't get into those things that you want to do. And it, sometimes, if you are paid in like a lucrative way, that people externally, subjectively, would just say like, or, or objectively, would just say like, you're crazy. Um, but you're frustrated, right? And it's hard to make yeah. that decision to go out. So I I really applaud you and admire you for doing it thank you it's it is definitely i have i have fear of the decision that i've made you know what i mean like i'm afraid of the possibility of failure but i also know like i was saying earlier that i have that like this is so such a uh cliche thing to say but i have a fire inside me for this thing and I can run on that fire for a good long while. I know it. I can measure that fire inside of myself, and I can I can tell that it will push me far. Now, whether it will be an ultimately successful venture is not just mine to determine, right? Like there are the tides of fate and and all sorts of forces that are in, that are at play there. But to the extent that I can control my destiny here, I'm I know that this is the right decision. A year ago, you couldn't have looked at the. Urbit Network and said to yourself, there's a high percentage chance that this thing is going to go anywhere. So what's changed? I mean, I think that that's fair. Yeah. But today, I, I to put it, put it in, in the old uh, aphoristic way, which is, you know, now any money that I throw at Urbit feels like throwing good money after good. So <laughs> like what happened, what happened uh, in the last year of Urbit that made you think now it's viable for you to turn it into a full-time career? Well, I think the, like the most important factor was very recent, and that's software develop, or software um, distribution. That, that user story becoming real in a way that's like really accessible, too. Uh, if you haven't looked into... And I'm speaking to the audience, but if you haven't looked into how the distribution is working, it's very low impact and something you can learn in a weekend if you already know how to do development at all on Urbit. And so I, I, I think that that showed me that that was not a pipe dream because that, that's been talked about for two years. Right. And I was like, OK, well, let's, you know, let's get there because we got to have software that's not coming from Tlon. Not that Tlon software is bad. It's obviously it's the best we have, right? But in order for this to be something that other that, that will draw economic activity, there has to be the ability to produce. And that story is there now, and we have that capacity. And yeah, there are there are speed bumps and there are gotchas and there are, you know, things that will be improved over time, I'm sure. But but that is without that that is with Without that, there is nothing in this story, right? Like, I'm not doing this if we don't have software distribution because there's no way to, there's no way for people to even know what I'm capable of, right? 
So that I think is the biggest thing. Also, seeing the rise in price of the higher level network um, uh, assets, I think is huge. And then knowing that a layer two solution for better or worse is, is coming soon, which will reduce the price of the lower level assets in a way that I think will encourage um, newcomers. And I think that's kind of the perfect storm. Well, and then not only that, but then also fractionalized ownership of some of those higher nodes uh, will also drive economic activity. And it would only be prudent for those people who are you know, betting on a win with the network nodes to encourage software distribution in the space and take advantage of it, perhaps if they are also providers. So all of those things bringing a lot of great energy together uh, on Urbit at the same time, effectively, within the last, what, three to five months? Uh, yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, so I was going to ask you then, um, can we talk about like your first your first app then, which is yeah. a Pope? I don't think people even know what a Pope is, probably. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's an unpleasant word to say, um, and it is a proof of attendance. We love the Catholics. We love the Catholics. Right. Love, right. love well, it when you listen. Is, when is I, it when not POAP? Po that's, that's what I hear, POAP, and I find POAP uh, just to be objectionable to say for some reason. I can't really say why. Like a POAP smear. POAP smear. Right. There's nothing There's nothing you can do with that word and make it good. No, no. It is it is unpleasant to start. Um, but so let's talk about that protocol a little bit. Like the, the, the actual uh, origin of the POAP protocol, as far as I know, is that project POAP. And the project is basically a way of minting little NFTs uh, on XDAI that are effectively free for you to mint. And you can give them, you can get a bunch of links for other people to mint them on their wallets. And it's a way of attesting to somebody having been at an uh, you know, electronic event or being a part of a club or any number of other ways that you might signify in groupness uh, amongst a group of people and it lives on your wallet. Uh, and there's your Ethereum wallet. Sorry, I, I just want to interrupt and say it stands for uh, proof of attendance protocol because we didn't say that. Right, right. Sorry. Yes. So, and so as you see, proof of attendance protocol. That's the idea behind the the minting of these things to begin with. Um, but there are some major problems with that implementation, at least as I see it. The first of which is they're transferable. So, like. If it's an NFT that's in my wallet, I can just pay to send it to somebody else. And it that defeats all of the meaning behind the original idea of it being a proof of attendance because it is then just an NFT that is fungible and, or, you know, not fungible, but um, transferable in a way that makes it so it's unclear whether that person was actually around. It's a crypto kitty. That token in, in a meaningful way. Right. Yes, and it's it is a bad one too because they're not even procedurally generated. It's just like and it's not not worth half a billion half a billion dollars. Yeah, unfortunately, if they were, man, I'd be pretty well off. But so um, the other thing is, so so there's there's problems with the underlying theory of the way that that execution was, the way that that was executed on POAP, I think. But additionally, 
they recently so we were using just to just to be clear the dalton collective a collective group of orbiters who own collectively a star uh called dalton on orbit it's a collective i'm in uh we were using those for attendance taking for our weekly meetings and it's a really nice way of kind of identifying who's who's present who's dropping off those sorts of things that naturally happen in a club or an, an activity like that um and just a few weeks ago, they sent out an email to us saying, hey, you know, POAP, they being POAP, uh, POAP was like, hey, we're not going to allow you to like auto-complete your request anymore, so you're going to have to get a hold of an administrator. And effectively, the writing was on the wall that it's like, and you are going to have to start charging you to do this and yada, 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 right? And so that was kind of the death knell of that product as a system for us to maintain attendance and i kind of in a loudmouth way was like well i could build that on orbit and it became sort of a challenge to do that and this was all happening right prior to assembly so two to three weeks out from assembly we kind of have this circumstance where we're like okay we can't use old poaps anymore what are we going to do let's build a new one i say i'm going to build a new one it gives me a real tight time frame to do that but we were able to execute on the underlying uh, Gaul app well before assembly. And then at assembly, we were able to talk with a lot of other great Hoon programmers there and just people who had great ideas to kind of think about how we could implement the front end effectively, had some time to work on that together. Uh, and we actually ended up releasing two versions of the product uh, with two different front ends that are interchangeable for the install caveat that right now there's some problems and breaking changes when you switch between them but they should be interchangeable if all things were operating as intended um, and so one of them uses like a javascript uh, glob that you can you know share between ships and the other one is fully hoon and has a front end written in sail uh, which is just an like an xml markup language uh, or markup i don't know structure inside of hoon that can be used to produce html like raw HTML web pages and can be served via air. Uh, and it's been a really nice success. Um, we've had, we have almost a hundred people who have claimed the assembly 2021 token. Way more than uh, attended released. by the way. Well, no, there were like 300 people there. Well, yes. You mean of those people? Yes. I mean, I know of at least <laughs> one who neither attended nor watched any videos. And I, He's talking we about himself. Okay. <laughs> I also have a Po app and did not attend assembly or watch any videos. Well, we are happy for you to have them. Uh, and I don't think we <laughs> wanted it to be uh, exclusive to those people there, especially since we didn't get quite off the ground during the confines of assembly. Right. Otherwise, that might have been different. Um, but yeah, I've also seen people minting their own which is really great. Oh, we've been all we've been all over all over that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, I mean, I it's it's kind of in the goof goof on each other stage. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> rare the rarest But of, I un unfortunately unfortunately like yeah, some like rare pepes, but like you just don't um you can't like stuff it down somebody's throat. They have to accept it. So that's something that we've got to, you know, sort of work around. The um, going. Should I pull that out? Yeah. No, I don't. I think that's probably a good <laughs> idea. The um, uh, so who, what was it like meeting some of your Hoon heroes in person at assembly? 
Can I, <laughs> can I tell you the most embarrassing thing that I did while I was there first, which is tangential to that? And I think I can say this. Yeah. I don't really give a shit anymore because I don't work for the man anymore. I met – well, I don't know if I should I'll, – I'll just put it to you this way and people who know, if you know, you know. I met the owner of Master 4WEX yeah. and uh, absolutely schoolgirled yeah. about it and was like, can I get a picture so I can send a picture of us to my friend? He's the, he's your biggest fan, and I would just really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure he liked <laughs> that. Was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. But I, that was that was probably my most embarrassing moment. Um, but it was fantastic. Also, you know, you were talking about as you enter middle age, it, it becomes harder to, to make these drastic moves in career. And I, I, I totally think that that's true and experience it myself. Um, and being around some of these younger programmers who are early 20s and more eloquent and intelligent and like, shrewd and precise than I have ever achieved in my life is, is sort of, I don't know. It is, it is inspiring on another level. Like when there are people who are just outside of your league and you haven't really been exposed to that a lot because you're living around normies most of the time. Right. But if you go to, if you go to a thing like assembly, you are around the creme de la creme of people who have brains. Right. And it's, it is exciting to be around that. I, I was thrilled to meet those people and just awed by their ability and and, and their their ability in their youth, which I think is important. I don't know. I, I think it's important to recognize that kind of that kind of capacity. You're dangerously sounding like uh, Plato or Socrates celebrating youth. Yeah. Especially as you because yeah. you know what I'm talking right. about. Right. Because because then you combine it with what you were doing with Erlift right which was to get right. some like lifting done and kind of that aesthetic masculine beauty at assembly yeah man we got to we got to bring ziz back on orbit that's that's right but you uh, we are going to be aesthetics bra yeah so there was a um uh, uh grip strength competition there was and i'll tell you what <laughs> i thought i was going to take it home because i the max i think i hit was 69 while i was there which is ridiculous like for the audience at home like that's ridiculous 69, 69 kilograms KG. by the way yeah right yeah and that's that was my left hand too um i don't know i don't know how that works but but you know that's that was i was i was pleased with that number because i was worried when i first got the thing i was like okay i don't know what my grip strength is offhand right so like am i going to embarrass myself with this and be the worst one there or, or how is this going to work right like and that was a good number i think the next there was obviously well so the the person just below me was like 62 or 58 somewhere in that range and that was the next highest thing to me for most of the weekend in passing i walked by i got it, his name is what is it bit oh man i'll have to look at i'll have to look it up so that i can credit him appropriately but I'm, I'm talking to a group of guys out there and I have the grip string trainer out and, you know, we're passing it around and people are getting 40s or 38s and 51, right? And I was like, yeah, mine, mine's 69, right? Uh, and I give it to this one other gentleman who's there and this guy just demolishes the device and hits 82 kilograms in his left hand. And I was like, all right, well, game's over. Everybody else can go home, right? This is, <laughs> this is the end of this game. It was astounding. 
So he was a ringer? Like, what was the background there? I mean, like, that's crazy. He was like, like, I, I don't, he did not look like he was going to, he didn't have Popeye forearms. Right. Right. He didn't, didn't look like he spent his, in fact, there was a guy at the, there was an after party on Saturday and we went to it and there was a guy there who was like actually aesthetic, right? Like he had bicep veins and looked great. He looked great. Yeah, but he skipped grip day. I can tell where this is going. He skipped grip day. Apparently, because he got like a 62 or a 61 or whatever, right? He wasn't even the guy who was next in line, so it was a little lower than that. And he was like, oh, I haven't been working out lately because I hurt my shoulder or whatever. Yeah, right. Whatever. But I wanted to be like, it doesn't even matter, dude. We're, <laughs> we're not in the same league as that other guy. Like, 82 is yeah. out of this world. Because you know, that's 160 pounds plus another 20 pounds on top of that of crushing force in one hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy could squeeze a, a pomelo to death. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, having to register your hands as deadly weapons territory. And that is, have you seen the gore that we produced for him for that? No. That was actually the, the thing. Uh, let me see here. I think I can send you, I'll send it to you in the uh, chat room that we're in here. Let's see. So you can see. So this was actually another Gora produced by, um, by Tokrex Holpen, who is the artist, one of the artists who works, uh, well, works, who is part of the Dalton Collective and has provided a lot of art for the various projects that we've accomplished there, including the Assembly Gora uh, that she did on, like, at Assembly uh, on the days that we were there. So that's a pretty cool fact about that. But she also did, I, I commissioned that piece from her uh, for the guy who had the highest grip strength. And if you can't tell, it's Bruce Lee, um from what movie is it it's the movie where he he claims that his hands had to be registered as weapons and so it says lethal weapon at the bottom and it's a line drawing of bruce lee with his hands with veins coursing through them and they're kind of they have those like squiggle lines around them that you see in cartoons indicating you know intense fury right he's a it's a very dragon ball z power up hand situation that's awesome yeah, it's pretty rad. So the energy at that guy amazed me too. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, so so so, but coming out of assembly, then obviously, like you felt much more confident. You had already made the decision though to move on and do this, right? I was coming. So we, I have some backing and support from various other orbiters, and assembly was a chance for us to get together and confirm that this is what we were going to do, and that everyone was on board. And I think we arrived at that conclusion, like within the first 30 minutes of being there, mm. like the energy is here. It's time to do this. I'm here. You're here. Let's seal the deal. And we did. But yes, the you were going to say, I think the energy at assembly and coming out of it monumental. I think it was a great experience. I really loved being there um, and meeting all of those people. Everyone was so pleasant and so nice to be around while we were there. Um, and there was such a variety of people. Like, there is, I'm I'm outing a guy who is, who's the brother of another famous orbiter. So he may or may not hear this. And what I'm about to say may or may not sound like condescension, but I don't mean it that way. There were two guys there. They were wearing like a varsity, you know, horse polo and varsity rowing shirts or whatever. And like 
you know, boat shoes and were just handsome and tall. And I was like, it's fucking rad that we have right. those guys at the Urbic conference, you know, and they're in the Hoon class, like learning from Sigilante, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, how do we do this? What's, what does Knock 9 do again? Right? Like, that, that's amazing that we had that that kind of person there and there were a ton of a ton of women there which was surprising um especially as the days went on there were more and more women which i don't know if that meant that the men who were there were more and more comfortable with the idea of their partners coming to the sausage fest that they mm-hmm, had traveled to mm-hmm. austin for um but that's good too those people were comfortable there too which is great because to, for me the important thing about Irvit is that more people use it so that my job decision here is viable. And if people are there to buy the stuff that I make or support me in some other way, I don't give a shit what they're like. Right. And that's the whole great part of that Irvit. I don't even have to be around them. They can buy my shit and go away. Yeah. That's the dream. Buy my shit and yeah. go away. That's right. um, by the way, people, you don't even have to listen to this podcast. Just give me money. Right. Right. <laughs> we are, we, I mean, we, we are sponsored, we're sponsored, we should mention, sponsored by two, Urbit Asia and uh, by Oatly. Oatly. Nice. Yeah. Um, Oatly does, UK. Does and, the squi- and Squid Games. It... And Squid Games, yeah. I'm sponsored by Bang Energy <laughs> and Adam and Eve. Um, AdamandEve.com. I, I don't even that? know what that is. Is that like Find uh, a Farmer? Oh, is that it's a, like. No, it's like it's like uh, they they sponsor like every podcast in the United States that's like a raunchy podcast. Yeah, uh, okay. like coupons to get dildos. Oh, oh well, we can probably get after that grip strength um, conversation. I think we can probably probably talk them into. What's it. your? Do, uh, it, it bordered on the <laughs> on sexy there. Do, yeah. do, uh, do you get um, only bordered? Was uh, not even gonna say it. The um, uh, so we we like. Uh, do you have like a preferred grip strength manufacturer? Well, you're talking about for like training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, I mean, Iron Mind is the the ultimate grip strength provider, right? Like they are the ones who've been doing these competitions for years. You know, these have you you've seen those grip strength things that are like, it's like a spring with two hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Touch the handle. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they, they were the progenitors of that. And not only that, but they now have a thing where you can get the different, you know, the different uh, strength of spring or whatever. So it's harder and, and what have you. And they have different handle sizes, so it's harder to grab onto. They also have this giant, like, 16-inch on center brass disc that you have to, like, pinch between the, the, the handles and hold out outstretched from your body like between the handles while you're pinching the spring thing mm. to show that you're holding it in a compressed position for a longer time so that's one of their their test modules and things like that um but yeah iron man's great yeah uh, juji mufu do you know that guy he's the guy who does like uh the splits and while he's like on chairs mm-hmm. and he's hugely jacked he has a grip strength pro- um company that i would I would trust too. I think they're called Grit Genie, mm. uh, like Game Genie kind of. I yeah, I mean that Game Genie is about the most like older millennial reference you can make, probably. Our yeah, our younger true. our younger it's listeners true. will have no idea. I mean, like they don't even know what a cartridge is. Like, why why would you, how right. could you plug? Oh, they vape, man. They vape. They well, cartridges. I not anymore. Not in Hong Kong. It's banned. The um, 
uh vaping is banned uh i mean like they're not going to arrest you for vaping but you can't sell those cartridges um and so i can't i don't know what the situation is in mainland china i guess if you like could smuggle some in the big thing now is like you can you can vape in mainland yeah because that's how you walk around with your vape pen and and put your marijuana oh, in there. They're very. I, that's, I, how, that's how you get away. Chi- with China it. is pretty like pragmatic, but I mean, vaping. Let's be clear, is much better for you. I like. I don't think it's like good for you, yeah, but like it's so much better for you than there, smoking. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, especially like older people. Um, but it's it still is like pretty pretty prevalent. Although, uh, you can't smoke indoor. Like you can't smoke at restaurants anymore. I don't think. And that is, can you, can you confirm that, Josh? What, in, in Maine? Yeah, I don't, it's definitely not like it's it used to be. It's got to depend on where yeah, you are. Yeah, I mean, like, no, well, in Shenzhen, you can't. In, yeah. Yeah, in, in Western China, I don't think it's a problem. I mean, there's, they still smoke on the, the elevators. Right. And it really right. makes me angry when I take my kids on there. Right. But, but I mean, it's like in, uh, in East Asia, like smoking, so smoking was everywhere. And then like overnight, you had places like Korea just said like you can't smoke indoors anymore and like it was just gone um and so it's uh it, it's been like Did a big people, thing like revolt no i don't there's a very docile people okay um okay but like the uh i remember <laughs> oh sorry go ahead but uh <laughs> I, I don't know how did, how did we even get it? it but it's like better for you like vaping is like not as bad for you as like some like tar filled cigarette with those filters in it that probably make things worse um and yet like the companies like the like british american tobacco philip morris whatever like they conspired to like make remember that moral panic about these things like blowing up in people's lungs or what was it like um people like dying of vaping batteries are gonna blow up and kill you yeah Yeah. or like you know like oh some like allergic reaction or something like that like it was such garbage like it was like oh the popcorn lung thing yeah 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 i mean it's it's like it and and you know i mean i i i will say proudly like i'm a full vaccine conspiracy i like i got vaccinated and i'm still like a conspiratorialist like i think these things are bullshit oh yeah you know but like um but it's it's the same thing right you have like pfizer Going out there and say, "Oh no! Like you need a booster. Truce the boost." Oh yeah, man. That's never gonna end either. No, no. Every every three though, months. When I was a when I was a kid, there was a grocery store in the in Kansas, just over the border. I lived in Missouri, and it was called like Red X, I think. And we would go there sometimes because it was it was like cheap, and also kind of just wild and the reason it was wild is it wasn't just a grocery store it also had a tobacconist inside of it and like a full walk-in humidor inside Mm. of it and you could smoke anywhere in the grocery store and you could literally walk through the produce aisle and people would be smoking and like ashing on the ground that's america yeah (laughs) like it was fucking amazing (laughs) i mean doctors (laughs) doctors used to smoke doctors used to smoke um you know while seeing patients Sure. They used to recommend that you would take up smoking to lose a little weight. Yeah, during pregnancy. Um, yeah. But like anyways, uh, Game Genie cartridges. Yeah, I, you I know, know, you mentioned... Oh, Game Genie. Right, right. Go ahead. 
talk about Game Shark. No, I was going to say the other one was Game Shark. So that, I, I don't remember which one was the poor man's. Uh, Game Shark. Game Shark. I associate with PlayStation. Oh, okay. Yeah, it came later. Game Genie yeah. was there first, I think. Yeah. Um, I, the, uh, I, I thought it was like a poor man's version of the Game Genie. It might have. Like it the, might have been. What were but those it's, Mad it, Cats controllers? That's oh, there. there you go. There's another one. Yeah. The the funny thing is because I was I was looking into the Game Genie and like it's funny, uh, and this brings us back to some of it is like that was just put to, like hacked together by some people. And oh, like it was, it was not, you know, and then, and then they brought out the the product and it was bought by Gloob and like Nintendo lost its shit because, you know, this is like violating our, you know, the sanctity of our games to make Mario jump like all the way up into the sky. But, um, right. you know, it, it was, it was just some, some dudes who, who made it, you know, and they were working in this technology system and everything that was at that time, like very new. And you, you don't, you don't have, like, you can't, you couldn't do that with like Grand Theft Auto or whatever people are playing these days. You can't, these are closed systems. They're super, super complex. Um, you, you, the business model has transformed from, okay, I'm going to pay too much for this cartridge to I'm going to pay too much for this disc or to download. Oh, and by the way, like that doesn't even finish the game. Like you got to keep on, downloading these like weapons and storylines and everything we're just going to milk you for every last thing um forever and like you don't have any other life you have no career you have no future so you know we've got you trapped yeah it it first just to, on the game genie point did you know that it also can only edit like six bytes of data in total one for each that, one yeah. of those codes you put in that's interesting is, yeah fucking amazing right that it could do anything at all at that level but those code that code for those games was so densely compacted and so so carefully using the ram that was available to it right right the memory right. locations that were available to it, it was, there, was, there was only so much data to manipulate anyway so to your point but yeah I, I i i recently you can shame me for this if you want i i probably deserve shame i bought a nintendo switch because i just i i, I got one every last nintendo. year but i i have i have, okay. a, I have a daughter i have a daughter so <laughs> I, can, I can blame her i'm planning on having a child does that count? there you go yeah yeah, yeah yeah sure yeah yeah i'm just getting it early right so i don't have to buy one for you know third birthday or whatever right um yeah i bought one of those and i bought it because i've had every other nintendo console and I remember there was a day in the past when Nintendo games were heavily curated, right? And I think that that started going away with probably the Wii console, maybe even a little prior to that. But really, like, who, who knows what was even made for the Wii U? The 3DS started having more of the virtual market stuff on there. But there were still, like, obvious mainline games and mm. things that were clearly well-produced. But there is just a wild variance of shit on the mm. Nintendo Switch. And that's really, it bums me out to see that. Because everything's yeah. becoming a microtransaction game now. Everything is looking for a whale that's willing to drop right. way too much of somebody else's money on it. Right. Well, know. like, they're, they're waiting for a kid. They're waiting for a kid with their parents' uh, credit card details loaded in. So they can don't you know download the mighty eagle and whatever, um, yeah. But it's, I lost it, a ton. Yeah. 
I lost a ton of software on my PlayStation Vita because my half brother was using my PlayStation account to log in to a PlayStation. I don't know what, I guess a three. I don't, I don't know which one, but one of those PlayStation ones and was playing FIFA, you know, FIFA, that mm-hmm. game, like this, the hug. you can buy like cards for the different players, I guess. He spent 500 fucking dollars of my money on those cards. And like Sony called me and was like, mm, what the fuck? Right. Like you, you spent $500 right. on here. And I was like, I did not. And I want you to return that money. And they were like, the only way that we can return the money is if we turn off your account for forever, unless you feel like paying us the money. And so to this day, I get emails from Sony every once in a while. That's like, Hey, you should probably reset your password on your account. And it's literally just trying to get me to pay them that five. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're, you're like banned. You're banned for life. Yeah. Like, seriously, um, though, it's fucked up. But it, at some point, like, they'll get it together. Not necessarily Sony, because they, they're not, like, plugged in. But, like, you could see somebody saying, like, okay, um, we have a DRM or whatever over your Sony toaster, and you cannot use it because you owe us money for this other part of our business. And yep. we're, like, going to we're gonna keep your no toaster off. Spider-Man movies. Yeah, yeah, right. Like they're gonna be, they're gonna be like, they're me. gonna be checking, they're gonna be checking your world coin, um, eyeball retina pattern, and if you match somebody, some deadbeat who hasn't paid them their five hundred dollars, um, <laughs> then you you can't you can't see the newest uh, Spider Man. Yeah, I have the Did same relationship. I, I have the same relationship that that you have with Sony with South Carolina. <laughs> they want me to you're never you're no longer welcome to no really they they sent me a letter and said that i was persona non grata and if i ever show up i'll be arrested but it's just over like unpaid speeding tickets in a in a state that frankly i don't give a damn about right you now and uh how did they send like, you a letter because I, I don't live in south carolina i mean if if they if i were in south carolina i assume they would send a cop car but no, right. no, I mean, what I mean, is like, did they know I, your address or did it just get to you by way of people receiving? Yeah, they, they know my yeah, they know my I mean, they know they, the license plate is, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. They know they know my license plate and my and my, um, you know, address of record. So they just every every few years they send me another letter that lets me know that if I show <laughs> that I should pay my my unpaid speeding tickets from when I was 22. And uh, no. And if and if I come back to South Carolina without having done that, I will be arrested. And I just I, I really should send him a letter back that says, like, I mean, you can stop wasting your time and some poor, you know, uh, college <laughs> recent college grads time sending me out these these threatening letters, South Carolina. Nobody yeah. cares about you, South Carolina. My my brother got that. Like uh, he he went to college. Uh, both of my brothers went to college in the same small upstate New York town. And like um, the younger one, I guess, had accumulated a lot of parking tickets and got a letter saying. And it wasn't. It was like this is not an arrest warrant, but like if we <laughs> find you, we're going to arrest you. But it's it's funny like how turned on the like I think all of us would agree. Um, we would not look to the U.S. government at any level for being particularly with it. Um, and I don't know if that gets like better or worse as you go from local to federal. But um, 
years ago in like 2007, I got a letter from the IRS saying I had, um, I had underpaid my taxes by like 28 cents. And, and then they said like, but you know, this is a de minimis amount. So don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, well, this is stupid. Like a, I don't know what you're paying for postage. Um, and even right. with your IRS discount, like it probably was more than this 28 cents plus the paper, plus the time and like the toner or whatever that, that it takes. But you said, forget about it. So I'm going to forget about it. Then I don't know if you guys remember it, but we got those like um, Bush stimulus bucks during the <laughs> global financial crisis. It was like, did they take it back? We got those. You fucking well, got them. My wife uh, got them. I got shit. I got really? shit on for that shit. Yeah, fuck that. Really? Because you were making money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I got one because at that time I was not making money. And the um uh but 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 it's supposed to be six hundred dollars. I got one for five hundred ninety nine dollars and seventy four cents because they had like clawed they it back. Gotcha. I was just like, I was like, you you said forget about it. And like clearly, <laughs> yeah, like right. you've actually been like sitting on this, so you can get it from me for, forever. And so like I, you know, it's um, and, and yet like can you imagine yeah. the man who came up with that like that program that was tracking that? Like right. what kind of man writes that in and is like, well, you know, if there's ever a circumstance in the future where this guy receives money from the federal government, we might as right. well keep these twenty eight cents on file. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's also like, it. They're, it, they're it also has that flavor of like when your wife says, I'm not mad at you. Right. <laughs> you <know? laughs> well, let's just, yeah. let's just forget about it. No, I mean, these, these are collaborators. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, but yeah, it, it kind of is like snow. I don't know if you read like Snow Crash, but yeah, like the, like the federal government yeah. programmers and like all they're doing is like writing programs to like you know, mess with people. But the, um, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> That's really interesting. I can't, I can't believe that they, for 24 cents. Yeah. Yeah. I pay my taxes to the government only because I don't want to talk to the IRS. But like recently I had to open a business to like, I opened an LLC to do this contracting work that I'm going to be doing. Right. Cause I want, I, I th that's the, probably the better way to structure um, contracting for me and rather than getting it uh, to me directly. Right. Um, but in order to set up my, LLC to have the S corp election, I had to fill out an IRS form, a two, five, five, three form. And if you go up and pull up the two, five, five, three form on the IRS website right now, you'll notice that the first page is dedicated to telling you that if you live in these 25 States, the fax line that you need to use to deliver this form right. is this number. And, right. and I was like, fucking fax line. What? Like who, who has a fax? What, Let me get what, in my hot tub time machine. Go back right. to 1994. <laughs> I literally have to, to, office, facts to yeah. send it to him. <laughs> yeah, right. I just don't understand how that. And then there's, there, there's a well there. So, so the actually response to that is apparent. And this is my medical. They claim medical. Uh, the medical industry is on facts. Is it's okay. that much harder to hack. Because you, you like can't intercept these things. But I mean, like that's that's just the bullshit excuse. Yeah, and the problem with that theory is that nobody's using actual faxes anymore on the right. consumer end. Like I rented yeah. a Ring Central fax that's just an email address, right? right. So yeah, we're fucked already. 
You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, it's just bizarre, bizarre behavior with the IRS. They're they're yeah. weird and stupid. Well, but, it's but I mean, also it, it goes back to like. A, yeah, right. Exactly. Like they, 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 they will get on it like for you, you know, like they will not yeah. get on it for uh, someone who basically like they do not care anybody that is evading in a big way or a small way. They just want right. to no, kind it's, of get it's it. just the easy ones. Right. Easy because because that's right. And like high trust and like the people who are just like the biggest the biggest blob of money. Right. Like you can't you right. can't actually like if if you tax all of jeff bezos or elon musk's wealth like that pays for the government for like a day i don't know right so right yeah it's a terrible system but but it is interesting that it's it's almost like malicious efficiency um where you can't be efficient in any of your other activities as a governing body right except for the one that fucks like the average joe that right. one you got on lock huh Interesting. Right. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, wow. Well, Urbit fixes this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because soon we will pay taxes to our stars and they will, they will forgive us our 25 cent uh, underpayment. That's how I foresee yeah. the future. Speak for yourself. So this is, this is an interesting question, right? Like this is the problem with what I'm doing generally is how do you get remunerated for services on Urbit? Because effectively, all of Urbit is open source software. Not effectively, in, entirely, all of Urbit is open source software. It's opt-in to download software and install it. There's no phoning home nonsense. And even if there were, someone could just read your code and excise the portion of the data that says, you know, phone home, right? It's, that's fairly straightforward. And then run it on their own. Um, so what is the, what is the compensation model? What is the value model of Urbit software and how, how does one capitalize on that? And I have some ideas, but have you guys thought about that at all and what you envision for Urbit? I thought it would be services like, sure. um, how do you financial get services. That, how, oh, financial. No, services. no, no. I, I don't mean, I don't mean like for the app itself. Uh, or for the software itself necessarily, but um, providing services that, you know, like, so for instance, <clears throat> just, just a spitball here. Yeah. Um, uh, running, running, running a highly trusted node for like a, um, for an L1 uh, solution or something like that. So, so having a, having a, a blockchain with a highly trusted nodes and, um, you know, nodes have to have a certain amount of collateral and things like that. So uh, sure. well, I'm just talking about value going up and then, you know, transactions over the network, then taking some uh, infinitesimally small micropayment for them or something like that. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. it, it, but, but if you're just talking about software, I mean, you can still potentially charge for, I mean, your personal app doesn't have to be open source, right? Well, it kind of does, because if, if you're installing it from a desk, that software now lives on your computer, and all you got to do is mount that desk and read the files that are in there. Now, you can obfuscate the files and make it so that it's painful for someone to tease apart what's happening, right? 
Um, but uh, in the end, that code's ready for them to be analyzed at any point. What about so, yeah. um, what, then? What about something like by using something like Visor? So you have something that lives offside the desk, but you need to have an Urbit ID to use it. I don't know. You definitely, definitely viable, right? That's definitely a, a track that you could you could go down and right. There's probably ways that you could make Urbit services like the actual Gall agents point to, like this is this is effectively the financial model only of, uh, of a different name, right? So it's you're pointing to something that's happening outside of Urbit. That gateway can be controlled by a central party who has the wherewithal to set up the gateway and maintain it. And as long as everything's being poured through there, the gateway provider can can ask tithing of of the use, utilizers of the service, right? But if we're talking about a purely Urbit technology, I don't know, like on Urbit and will stay on Urbit, I don't have a good sense of how that will be remunerated yet. I, I do. I have some ideas, but I think it's going to be a cultural change in the way that we think about software acquisition and and the the price associated with that. Yeah, because um, I don't, I mean, how sustainable can things be if it's the buy me a beer model right of like you know send me some fiber on coffee right like that that's not going to work right i think the way that it has to work is that well there's a couple of things that could happen and we have some in the the pipeline but I'll, i'll talk abstractly about it uh so as not to give all of that away uh because hopefully we can achieve it but it's something like making reinstating pride in acquisition and 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 provable ownership of the product um so making provable ownership viable um and visible uh and then encouraging people to it's sort of like reinventing team red and team blue right like are you on amd or intel nobody gives a shit anymore right they just want the one that's faster but if you're if you can return to that time where there was something like pride associated with software, it's effectively the Apple sticker that people have on their car, right? Like if you have to pay for that part, if you have to pay for that part and that part can be controlled independent of the ability to install the software, maybe you can make it a status thing to have paid for your software, something like that. I don't know. I wonder if you can, I wonder if you could pay for like proof of, of authenticity in the sense that, um, my, uh, my desk is using the Rabsef version of this code and Rabsef has like, you know, it, my, my hash matches and, and Rabsef has, has sent out some like NFT proof of, of authenticity that this is the correct like version of the software. You know what I mean? That- yeah, if only someone would invent something where you could have a non-transferable mm-hmm. proof of attendance or payment or whatever on Urban. Yeah, I wonder if... Great. Uh, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. Never worked. <laughs> what about, I mean, like, you could, you could make it so that uh, if you want to use a piece of software, it's just on a moon, and so you're not using it on your own... Urbit, but like someone will transfer a moon to you for having paid it. Is that, is there something conceptually there? 
That's interesting. I don't think you can transfer moons because numerically okay. they belong to a, a specific uh, a specific uh, superordinate entity. But but there's something there um, in the sense that like you can link um, CLI agents, so you can link to somebody else's client agent. Like, have you ever used? Uh, I don't know how to say the word, but it's like. Dweaker, I think, the name of that small deer, and it's also the torrent tracker that's available on Urbit. Mm. No, um, I've never used but it. But basically, you just—it's pretty cool. You basically just link your ship to the ship that's running it, so you're not really, oh, right. as far as I understand yeah. it, you're not really running the software. You're just linked to their instance of the software that is running. So it's like a VCN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's probably models like that that are available. In fact, there, there certainly are. Um, you can make public-facing pages hosted off of an orbit. So, like, one of the things that I'd like to do, and this is, I think, a grant that's sitting out there, too, so it's not, like, a unique idea, but something like Shopify for orbit, so that people who are on orbit, like, we have Justin Murphy, right? We captured that guy. By the way, famous guy I met at, uh, at Assembly, Justin Murphy. Kind of a big really deal. Excited yeah. To meet him there. yeah. Yeah. Um, He's a... Uh... He's been on this podcast. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, whatever. Not... We're pretty. We're pretty. We're pretty famous ourselves. Pretty big time. You know what I mean? <laughs> when he's a guest on your show. Um, yeah. He yeah, turned himself. He turned us into guests on our own show, actually. Yeah, he started <laughs> waterboarding us. <laughs> yeah, it sounds right. Um, he had some interesting talks at Assembly that were fun, and it is interesting well, murder, murder calls. Yes, yes. D you didn't. You haven't seen that whole thing, have you? Or have you? No, no. I, I oh, can't. I'm in. I, I can't watch awkward things. Oh, it's extremely awkward. So good, good on avoiding it. Like political not debates. Is, I can't. I can't watch. This is not like a wet, wet brain thing, is it? No, that's exactly. Uh, what it is. Yeah. Oh, uh, was it really? Okay, I didn't. I didn't I know, know where that came know. out of. What are? I don't know why they call themselves wet brains. Do you have context for that? Because I hadn't really probed. I don't know. I mean, I it seems pretty really ugly, ugly word. Yeah, it sounds like you're like disabled, right? Yeah. Is that just I, me? No, but me can you imagine? Gnostic. Yeah. Can you imagine having a, a dry brain? I, I feel like wet brain is probably <laughs> the standard. Yeah. No, you're right. They're not just sitting in there like uh, you know on sawdust. They got they got a bunch of shit coursing through them. You're right. I mean, as far as I know, I've never, I've never tooled around inside a mine or anything. But my understanding is they're trepanning. wet. If you trep in well, and then take a one of those like silicon packets you get in your coat pocket, you can uh -huh. have dry brain right quick in a hurry. Oh, oh that's you, great. So to back up, so you have if you have a cre <laughs> a creator, if you have a yeah. creator, which is another weird word, but you have a creator like Justin Murphy. Yeah. And and or let's God. say he's moving his right. Let's say he's move. Let's say they are moving their enterprise to orbit. It's only natural that they'd want to be able to cross sell. Uh, well, sell internally, but also cross sell to people who are still on EarthWeb, right? Or maybe maybe most people will stay on EarthWeb, and we're just providing our services through our orbits, and it's it's convenient in that way because we're not renting from Amazon or whatever the structure is in the future, right? I think having like a, a product like like Shopify out there and providing that service um, 
would be a big one. I don't remember exactly how we got to that discussion point, but Shopify on Orbit and having that, yeah, publicly facing, right? So like being able to publicly face something out from an Orbit and sell that way would be um, a viable quantity too. And then maybe maybe the services helping somebody set up their Orbit Shopify store, right? Just like there's thousands of contract jobs to help people set up their own Shopify stores today, there will be the same kind of service providing model where the software is negligible. It's the service that is the difficult part and um, that'll be contracted out just like it is now. Yeah. At least I that's what I was saying. Services, man, that's the thing. Because you yep. you get the you get the the high quality network going, and that then it becomes apparent the you know for the end user why why they should be on this thing, and then you know obviously people servicing like a whole service economy around that. Yep. Yeah, I was right. My uh, initial intuition was perfect. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think that that's <laughs> a big part of it. Um, I still do think that there's something like because. It's not really a, well, I guess this game can be considered a service, but like a single player game, right? A single player game, it's not a service. So there has to be some model where you're compensating a person for their time for things that don't need continual service provision. Um, and mm. in that regard, I think you have to have something like that incentive, like, like I was describing, where it's, you, you're somehow renegotiating the terms where it's not you can't have this without paying but where it's right. more like who would want this if you hadn't paid right like well this this pay. kind of it, it kind of goes back to an earlier age as does so much with with urbit like um mm -hmm. not bbs but like i don't know if you guys remember uh loom or those old like fool's errand or whatever that era of early Mac games, whatever, that had the copy protection of, sure. oh, you, you need to use this code and use this, like, red glass or whatever to, like, see it. But, you know, you could just photocopy. Well, you couldn't photocopy it. There, or It's complicated. But, you know, this stuff got out there. And sure. the copy protection stuff got out there. But people still made money. LucasArts still made money. On right. It. So there's something, something is going to be there. Um, and ultimately, people... Uh, in a high trust society, will pay something, and, and then, and China, that, and then yeah. China, like nobody in China, has paid for Microsoft Windows, right? right. <laughs> <clears throat> Which is rad too. Like I'm sure that there's ways to make Orbit scale in that environment too, um, and figure out. You know, maybe there it's just exclusively providing storage for all of the many many apps that you download and install into your into your orbit because they're all free right like maybe that's how you make money off of it but i do i do hope for an economy of software because i want to see more things produced on orbit you've seen the the variety of softwares that have been coming out lately they're amazing right like right we have that rss reader and pals and face and chess and poker and uh, Gora, for instance, and there can are, you sure could others, you like you know. brick? I mean, if if you're the uh, originator of something, like can you brick something because somebody hasn't paid for it? As soon yeah, as they I mean, like, if they OTA, like if they go up to the next version, you can be like, well, I'm not going to give it to you. Yeah, I guess you could do that if you 
if let's say your well that's an interesting idea maybe your ship could maintain okay so so there's there's a way you could do it and then also a problem with the way you could do it you could your ship could somehow maintain a list of payees right like people who have paid you or pay yours or whatever um and then on launch of any application that you've made one of the one of the actions that the application could do or even on every command is it could reach out to you and go hey is this approved because this guy i need to know if this guy paid or not and as long as you could negotiate back a yes or no uh then it would allow the software to continue so the number of problems with that the first of which is it's always on drm and right who doesn't hate that right um and in fact i was on a plane recently uh, coming back from assembly and I was like, you know, it'd be nice if I could just play, I got a little uh, slot machine game from steam called luck be a landlord. Right. And I was like, I'm going to play a little bit of that slot machine game just cause I'm sitting on a cramped plane and have nothing better to do. Couldn't get on steam because I didn't have a network connection and it wouldn't. Uh, uh-huh, it like, uh-huh. Fantastic. That's great. I can't even play the games I paid for offline. Right. Like that's right. absurd. Um, so that's a problem with that. And then also again, if you've installed the software, it's on your desk now, right? And like, though it knows to look to my ship for updates, you can always just turn off those updates or even just copy all the files to a new desk and modify the part of the code that says phone home here to always approve, right? Just Mm -hmm, turn mm -hmm. all of that line into a PAM and the the conditional will move on to the next case. And that's, that's kind of the problem. That's why it's sort of at least to my brain right now, my wet brain right now, uh, semi-intractable in the, in the sense of you can't force people to pay. And so we must then turn towards social compliance. Yeah, again, I, I'm just thinking um, the software, like you, I mean, you've already said this, but I, I, I feel like the software is, is just like the gateway to some something that is monetizable, like your you know, your moon or your planet becomes the, um, the data source, the data source for like fresh, uh, up to the, up to the second or nanosecond data. Like, so for instance, if, if, you know, you're the market maker or some, you know, and you, you give out the, the software because, you know, like if, if you're, for instance, um, trading the, nobody makes you pay for the, pay for the, uh, the trading software. Well, some people do, obviously, but but you can get you can do trading software for free. Give it out, get, give it out for free, and then people are actually paying sure. to be in that to be in that market with the sort of like fresh, up to date um, pricing and things like that. So it's yeah. it's the 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 software becomes a gateway for a service. Again, I don't know. I'm just. I'm I'm harping on about this. I haven't really thought about it in any um, with any depth. Well, but I think that that's the direction that I, I like. I totally agree with your position, uh, and that's like one what I was saying earlier with the kinds of work that I want to do. One of them is to do these service level um, softwares that will will give us an opportunity to provide that. M- middleman makes it sound so grotesque, but that middleman activity that will then uh, be monetizable. That's definitely part of the plan. Um, I'm just, I'm still for some reason confident that I can find a way to make people pay for things that they don't have to. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, I think, I mean, the, the good thing is, like you said, there's so many super smart people in the network. And, yeah, I think there's like two aspects of the value of Urbit. They're not necessarily exclusive, but like one is, okay, well, you could have like a lot of people and this could scale. And the other is, okay, this will be a concentration of super smart people. And I don't necessarily include myself in that group all in all ways. So, you know, somebody will come up with a solution and then that's how things will be built. And it may not yeah. look like anything, you know, we're sort of anchored to our own experience and what we've seen in the market. And maybe the solution is something that is, you know, pretty different from that. And we'll see. Yeah, that's, game that's shark. one of the most exciting things. Yes, we're going to game shark this thing. We're going to change six bits in everybody's understanding of com commerce and Urbit will come out the other side. Yeah, that's... No, um. This... Go ahead, sorry. No, nothing. I was going to make a dumb joke. Do it. No, it's, it's too late now. The moment has passed. What oh, were we talking about? I'm sorry. I don't know. I stepped on it. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I do think that, that... I do think that Urbit... You're right. Um... If there's a crowd of people that's going to figure out how to use this crazy thing that we have, it's the people who are there now. And though I welcome all newcomers, like I know that we got the brain trust behind this thing and I believe in it like 110%. So that's where I'm at. Cool. Well, the smart, the smart people that there are still smart people that will come in, but it'll be very different because they will have bought in at a much higher hurdle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sure. Yeah. So I don't true, mean to yeah. say these are all the smart people that exist. <laughs> no, I, well, I don't know, but I mean like, but it, it'll be very different. Like their energy will be very different. Um, you know, not, not in a good or a bad way. I just think that like, you know, people who are buying stars for like $250 or whatever, or a galaxy yeah. for 4,000, um, are motivated in a very different way, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, actually, you know, I think it's uh, just to like reiterate, I think, I don't know, maybe it was Eric, Eric Newton. I think he's, he, he talked about this, the difference between those, between what is it that even before the, we're, we're in like the early adopter stage right now, which is not the same as the technical people who figured all this stuff out phase. And mm -hmm. so early, early adopters are, are people who like, you know, um, bought bought a Sony Walkman CD player before it was clear that CDs were going to be the thing to kill tapes, and uh, and that's that's like sort of where we are now. It's going to be it's going to if somebody's going to pay thirty thousand dollars for a star, it's uh, it's it's going to be like um, smart, positive, early adopter types, but probably not people who are deeply riding hoon sure i i guess i think that i mean i think that's at least at first probably right and then there will be further network effect where they'll bring in more coders the coders who get interest in the product will eventually want to own address space and that'll kind of yeah. feed into itself so there will be some who buy in at 30 or 100 or whatever whatever we get to god willing 100 right like let's let's see that soon um, well that number just it does seem to just keep going up i mean obviously yeah, it sure goes up goes up and down but 
Uh, I mean, anyway, when I got my first star, I think I think the price is. I'm. I mean, I'm not going to say how much Great. I paid for mine, but I mean, comparatively. Well, next, I was like three or no, four. No, it was no, less, less than that. Yeah, yeah, nice. but, but I think, but, but, but we, I mean, this is where it's funny, and I don't have any regrets, but we, like a, a group of us bought one, and for like some <laughs> number, I can't remember if it was some, some number, I think it was some number of ETH, yeah. and there was a point, and this is no longer true, but if we had just like held the ETH for some amount of time, then we would have bought like 36 stars, <laughs> so. Oh, like, no. uh, yeah, yeah, but but I mean, like, who cares, right? You know, and sure. and by and by doing that, and it, these are like crack cocaine, and so each of us has bought more after buying like twenty. It starts with like, oh, do we want to like buy twenty percent of a star each, and then it's like <laughs> you know, se- like you know, selling my underwear to buy more stars. But like the, um, <laughs> uh, but but you know, it's uh. Yeah, and that now obviously they're they're relatively more expensive. Um, Do you but, got, have you guys started calling stars Lucy's yet? Because that's how you know you're really down bad. Like when no. you're buying them from the corner store, one no. at a time, no. not even in a pack of twenty. Do you guys know what a Lucy is? It's like a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, we we had we had this like um, Iranian uh, exile hot dog guy in where I went to college. And um, he would get arrested by the police for selling Lucy's all the time. So, <laughs> so I, I know what they are. But he was always bad. He was always bad and like selling Lucy's, right? So, for uh, sure. All right. I got I to gotta get going. Yeah. Well, uh, on yeah the, I hope look. this was good material for you guys. I feel like I kind of went all over the place. So I, I'm sorry about that. But No, this is great. No, this I, is the, the, my, favorite, my favorite podcasts are, are the ones where we end up uh, where, where we end the podcast talking about selling loose cigarettes on the on the street corner, and I don't know how the fuck I'm gonna turn that into yeah. an outro. So that, then I just then I just put the outro there. So this is me. This is the end. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Please visit us at www.thestack.link. Or find us on Twitter at thestack.link, all one word. And please remember to like and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Josh, and with Andy, we are The Stack.